everything is bigger and better in Texas, including Dallas Stars Victory Club memberships presented by Lexus. Victory Club honors generations of the most devoted Stars fans with bigger savings, better perks, and unbeatable flexibility. Become a part of history and join the loudest, greatest, and most dynamic Dallas fans by becoming a Victory Club member today. Visit DallasStars.com for more info. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hello, everybody. It is a very special Emmy Ray Ray edition of the Podman Rush. Brian Ray, and I don't want to pigeonhole you here into just one title. I'll say from Stars Live, but I know you're you're so much more than that. Uh, we're going to tell each other how great we are at broadcasting and wrap up the month of October for our Dallas Stars here at, as we pod ourselves through the morning as we record this. Uh, first things first, though, Brian, uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for, taking the, thanks for taking the time and giving everybody a respite from Haika. <laughs> you know, uh, it is wh- interesting. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you're here for a break from that. <laughs> hey, he, 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 he chirped me on your guy's opening podcast, so I had to, I had to get him yeah, back. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He took a swing. Uh, all right. Hey, why the beard? What are you hiding? What are you attempting to project? So it's very simple. I'm hiding a, a baby face that is horrific, and I don't really have a jawline. My face just sort of melts into my neck. So when, um, when, I was, when I was in the American League with the Texas Stars, this was a playoff beard originally when they went their, their, uh, their Calder Cup run. Mm. And my wife now, but we were dating at the time, when we got about halfway through the run, she looks at me and says, don't get rid of that thing. And oh. I went, okay, that sound, sounds like a plan. You know, we're, we're, we're dating early on and I really like you, so I'm going to stick with this. And uh, it has been with me ever since. Happy future wife, happy life. I uh, guess exactly. Yeah, how that unfolded. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's very masculine. It's. It's very today. You know, there's a lot of beards out there in in society, let alone broadcasting. I feel like the beard kind of had a renaissance over the last five it, years. Yes. Yeah. Which is good. And for- not just in the spring for playoff hockey players. No, it's it's become like a thing where I feel like it's more and more accepted or or I don't know deemed attractive if you can pull off the beard. I had it once. I I grew one. It was fabulous. I mean, <laughs> it had just the right amount of salt in it, and I looked I looked more educated, uh, you know, a little bit pompous, but that's fine. Yours, though, just looks like it looks like today. You look very much like today. So I, you mentioned the salt and pepper. Like I'm starting to get gray right here in the chin. And don't I, do it. I, don't I, go I, do it. I, I, I was like, I, I, haven't, I haven't played that card yet. I don't think I need to, but I just I find myself looking at that more. Yeah. And then, yeah. But no. it's, I got to keep it trimmed, though. I don't want it to get too, too out of control. Yeah, no, I think you do. I, th- I think it's, it's tight. I think you keep it tight. Uh, on there it's not unruly ever did you know a, a couple of beard things the the uh, male's beard grows quicker in the spring this is probably stuff that you know brian <laughs> but it does it, which fits perfectly with 
with hockey players growing yeah, it sets up the playoff beards. beard perfectly. It really does, but yeah. it it is a fact that your beard will grow a little quicker. I don't know about thicker, but it will quicker in the spring. But but I like that because if if I see a hockey playoff beard, like I. As funny as it is to see like the 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds in today's NHL that have sort of the patchwork thing going on, mm-hmm. uh, the best ones are still the 35-year-old veterans with the full grizzly mountain man beard, mm. at the, like the Lanny McDonald just push broom mustache when Calgary yeah. won it in the 80s. Like those are still the best beards. So I'm glad they grow qu- quicker in the spring if that's true. Yeah, it's just like testosterone oozing yes. out of your pores. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost most of our listeners. I yeah, think, it's over. Uh, we ended it right now. there. <laughs> uh, the other question, though, and I think we talked about this when you were on before, why were your Rays such quitters when spelling our name? You know, it's – I don't know if it's a cultural thing because your, your Ray is Welch, right? Yeah. Do I remember that yeah. correctly? Yeah. So mine is – say Welch or Welch? Welch. Welch. I don't, okay. It's right. It's – we pay our bets. Welsh-ish. Um, and yours is Irish? Uh, Scottish. Scottish. So Yeah, so my Ray was originally McRae. And oh. somehow the, the Mick got dropped somewhere in the history. So my dad was Scottish. My mom's essentially Irish. Um, and I get into wow. fights with myself on a daily basis. Yeah, I was going to um, say, that's so, perfect. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know if it's a quitter thing. Maybe it's an efficiency thing. You know, why add the yeah. three letters if we can get it done? Or why hey, add look, the three more letters if we can get it done? There are, hey, look, brother, there are plenty of times growing up, and I wish that I didn't have the UGH because I I end up spelling. I just spell. Oh, Ray, yeah, R-A-Y, no, R-E-A, no. And then you go on, when, and they're like, When, oh, when you were growing up, how brutally mispronounced was your last name? Oh, it's never correct. I love it yeah. when people take a stab like at, at hotel desks and that they'll yeah they'll take a run at it and you're like man eh, it's close but no row uh, ria rough ria ria is my most common i do enjoy the telemarketer call is is a mr ria there no there's nobody here by this name you should probably take the number <laughs> off your list good night can't help you good night well enough about <laughs> us uh yeah. we could go on forever we're we are hockey, really right we're here to talk fantabulous <laughs> broadcasters uh october Takeaways, uh, a month in which they they harvested points, but at times it seemed kind of a hard toil in, in doing so for the Dallas Stars. But in the end, you look at their record, and uh, we said it last night on our Open, like it feels nitpicky when you're, your club, after last night, 5-1-1, one, and one, they were 4-1-1 one, going into it. You're like, how much can there be wrong with what's going on with a record like that? in the opening month of the season. So you go first. What are your big takeaways from October? Well, I, I think the fact that we're nitpicking them after not even a full month of the season, it's probably a good thing in the in the big picture of things because it, it kind of sets the level of expectations to where Jim mm. Nill has put this team at. So so if we want to go glass half full, you know, it's a good thing that we're being nitpicky. Um, I think kind of what just jumped out to me before I came on here with you is if you would have told me at the end of October, Jason Robertson would have one goal, the Stars would have the third worst power play in the league, and their points percentage would be the third best in the league, I probably would have looked at you a little cross-eyed. But that is the the situation. So I, I, I agree with you. It, it was not a perfect October, and there are a couple of uh, – 
small warts that might have appeared in the first three weeks, but we're also into the middle of the season and the points matter and the results matter and they are finding a way to successfully get the points and the results they need despite some of those warts. Well, we'll get him a big jar of compound W then uh, heading <laughs> forward and and see whether we can at least mask uh, those those little uh, blemishes. The I I always feel like really good teams are able to win when not everything's going for them because they can just mm-hmm. just rely on this area until that area gets fixed. You know, very rarely do you see just an absolute mahine going on all season long where everything is just flowing. There's going to be segments yeah. where everything is is rocking along, but there are also going to be these, you know, months maybe like this or maybe it, you know, they run into some injuries for a while, whatever it is, and still keep banking points. And that that's a special quality. And you make a great point with Robertson, you know, they – this is not, and it hasn't been for a couple of years, few years, a one-line team. And certainly not a one-player team. A significant mm-hmm. top line, obviously, but they're they're pretty deep. And last night, I think was our probably our first real peek at okay, if they start rocking along, what is the number one line? Mm-hmm. Because if Duchesne, Marchment, and Sagan can play the way that they did. And you continue to get just excellent play out of Wyatt Johnston and Jamie Benn and Dodonoff. That's underneath of Hintz, Robertson, and Pavelski. And it is truly a little bit of a pick your poison with the forward group. And then, you know, the the defense core, you're, you're seeing, I think, uh, patience in, in uh, handling some new pairings back there with the eye on on getting some young guys significant minutes and moving the puck maybe a little bit better than they did in past so that wasn't perfect but it was fine and and some terrific outings you know Thomas Harley probably in particular uh, Ottinger was was fantastic in the games that he played uh, the stutter schedule had something to do with it it though, was right? weird like, it was really weird we were saying that it just felt like they started the season three times in October, you know, opening night, and then some time. What did they play? Like one game in a seven day span. I think it was one game in eight days. Is that from, what it was? Eight. Days. I think it was from the end of preseason to right with the Vegas and, game or whatever. Yeah. Then they go into Vegas, and that felt like a restart again, yeah. especially since the team was congealing in the desert <laughs> prior to that. They weren't around. <laughs> they, with all the bonding that this group has done outside of hockey, they should be the tightest. Yeah. I mean, my God, yoga pants tight as as a group heading into November. There should so be they, a couple, they, there's a couple of godfathers on the team already with how tight they should be. <laughs> so they they restart it again in Vegas, and then they have another. Last weekend was just. That was Daffy. You're sitting there going, hold it now. We're late into October. You do not have an entire weekend off. You just don't after the Leaf game. And and you had another segment of time where you had like one game in, in like five days. Started it up again uh, last night. Now it's going to get busy again. And I, I think everyone, as much as they were probably enjoying, you know, wonderful opportunities for Halloween parties and sing-alongs and all that stuff. 
you know you're going to get hammered with the schedule going yeah. forward here at some point. My uh, my wife has lovingly referred to me as a part time employee through October, just <laughs> given all the given all the all the days off. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I as as good as as good as Jake has been, as good as the penalty kill has been, and and even as good as the Duchesne line looked uh, against Columbus. I know they've played some road games, but I feel like we really haven't seen the Dallas Stars on a road trip where they're going to go three and four nights or they've got to play six out of eight games on a road or six out of nine games on a road. So I do think there's still something to learn here. And, you know, I, I know Calgary has not had a good start. They'll deal with with McJesus when they go to, to Edmonton and, and Vancouver has been a, a better team, it looks like, than last year. So this feels to me like the first real road test. Vegas was Vegas. I view that more as a one-off, but I think we need to learn a little bit. Can the lines beyond the top line, can they find a line to mismatch themselves on the road against an opponent to give themselves an advantage? These are all the questions I have going into this road trip that, uh, that I'm interested to see and, and learn a little about, learn, learn a little bit about. Yeah. They need to get their power play smoking again. Big too. Time. Like, man, that is bizarre to, Look at them at the end of October, and you're like, "Hold it, let let me get this straight." They didn't score a power play goal on home ice in October, and they actually got outscored by yeah. the opposing <laughs> penalty kill, three to two through the month. I, you know, I, and it it just hasn't looked it hasn't looked good. That's your best players. There's no excuse for the number one unit because you're not trying to work a new guy into the mix where. Yeah. Maybe that synergy is going to come, but it's not quite there. It's all the same guys. They yeah. just haven't been good. Are they the only power play in the NHL with a negative goal differential? Right oh, it have to be. They I think, yeah, be. they have to be. I mean, they're crazy to think about. <laughs> I know they haven't played a lot of home games, but man, they've been, they're, they're three nothing. Yeah. They're in a three nothing <laughs> hole at home, which is bizarre. That whole, that whole game was just kooky. Yeah, if, give up like, three shorties. Give up three shorties and win. If if this kind of weirdness we get at the start of the year, okay, fine. We have seventy five more games to 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 see how it plays out or smooths out. But I I I I was a little befuddled as well, and and I don't know if it's not necessarily that the power play goes through Jason Robertson because, you know, Pavelski's pretty impo- uh, impactful on it. Rope hints as well and, and Miro. But is it almost once Jason Robertson starts to find his rhythm as a goal scorer, does the rest of the power play kind of fall in sync behind that and and we see things start to take off a bit? Maybe. I, I just think there's been too much weight around for it to happen and, yeah. and not enough do. Yeah. You know, we, me, do, you winning. They need more of that. Yeah. They need more of that. You know what you, you need out there, people? You need to get your daily stars fixed by following the stars on X. It used to be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Doing the Tiki Talks. It's the best place for team news, behind-the-scenes content, epic moments that you will not want to miss. That's very generic. One state, one team. Texas. Okay, let's get to Stars Live. Sure. At its most basic, what are you guys trying to convey and accomplish on Stars Live? I I always go in with the mentality that 
I would like to, I want somebody to learn something from our show, even if it's just one thing at the end. And I also would like them to learn it while we're having fun. Uh, not necessarily clowning around, although every now and then Sebi and I do have to chirp each other, maybe uh, back and forth. But I always like to try and find interesting pieces of information surrounding the game or both teams or whatever and, and try to get a couple of those in, whether you're sitting with buddies watching the game, whether you're just some diehard stat nerd watching alone or whatever, and be like, oh, that's actually an interesting point. I never... I never thought about that or I never knew that or, or, or anything like that. So I, I, for me, I think just as a broadcaster, I want somebody that's watching my show or listening to me on a broadcast learn something that they didn't know before, and hopefully they had fun doing it. That's the most basic element for me. I watch it for the commercials. I think they're fantastic. Excellent. So, uh, <laughs> do you have a, a favorite pregame show out there in the talk behind a desk videoscape? You know, um, I really enjoyed our Jamie 1000 show last year. Um, I just think it was really cool. The players came out with the hair slicked back in warm-ups, which was a cool visual. We're, we're talking about a guy who spent his entire career with one team, and, and you hit the 1,000 game mark. That's pretty special. And then the other one for me is when we did the Thanksgiving game last year, uh, Sevy lost his composure on air trying to be cute and drop Thanksgiving words in and the fact that he just started laughing and completely lost his train of thought I was dying laughing that he was just helpless for a couple of seconds on air I finally brought him back I'll take full credit for it but just watching him lose it a little bit I got an absolute kick out of I thought that was rather entertaining for me (laughs) well it's nice to get the greatest hits of your show I was I was speaking more favorite pregame shows. Oh out my there. gosh! <laughs> out there, if we could just depart from how great you guys are, you're Brian, right. Yes, you're right. Just for okay. a moment, the phenomenon. <laughs> if there are any other Emmy level pregame, postgame, between period <laughs> moments you want to touch on, ooh, Jordan, feel free to cut this whole segment out because I just whiffed on that hard. I mean, no. that was a crane kick to the face right no. there. Look, you, <laughs> you, you obviously digest a lot of other sports. I mean, you do a fantastic. I sent you a note in the summer when you were doing yeah. Rangers as a fill-in, and seamlessly, um, it just it, in, incredible. I always have a great appreciation for people that can skip through different sports and handle it seamlessly. I'm I'm just curious what what your favorite pregame show out there is. I'll I'll outside I, of your own, I, of course, of of course. So all right, since we're done talking about me, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> the both TNT pregame shows I thoroughly enjoy. I I think their hockey coverage has been really good, and I think Lundquist has done a really good job filling in for Rick Tockett from a hockey perspective, well, but then pretty the, goalie that helps. Of course. Yes. It's, it's a visual medium. Um, but they're inside the NBA pregame show, I think is viewed as kind of the gold standard of, right. of national sports pregame shows. And from a, from a hosting perspective, like the way Ernie Johnson drives that bus and lets those three characters Mm. be themselves and do their thing, but he always has his hands on the leash when it's needed. And it looks like he's not even trying doing it. Like from a pure technical hosting perspective, 
that is phenomenal work, what he does in his specific position. So those two are really, really fun to watch for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, those are good, good choices. I, Ernie does an incredible job and basically it's a three ring circus on there and it's so good because they, the thing I like about it is and where a lot of pre post game shows get lost is they get too into the game that they're actually covering. If that sounds, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are times on on TNT they don't even, they're not even referencing the game that you're watching. Yeah, they're on to something else, uh, you know. And I I think that makes it more compelling. I and mean, you need to touch on it, obviously, but to just break down what they're doing five on five and mm-hmm. it's just like please, uh, I'm moving on if if that's the case. So, what about the other side of things? Your Lord, I hate that from pre and post game shows. <laughs> I, I, I hate to throw ESPN under the bus because I think they've been really good as kind of the top American sports channel to have the NHL back in its fold. But I, I just I don't I, I watch their pregame coverage sometimes and I just I wish there was a little more enthusiasm or it feels a little mundane or formulaic or it our sport or all of them. Our sport, their yeah. their hockey coverage specifically, you know, um, and then I actually I I enjoy college football more than I do the NFL. I I th- enjoyed college game day. I think you know maybe a decade ago, but now it's like a four hour long ordeal that starts at six in the morning in some locations. And if I'm a big time college football fan, I, I can't watch all that. I just Give me the picks. Let me see Lee Corso put his helmet on. But I just think it's become such a – it's almost too long. It's almost too big of a thing sometimes to where it, it's now more background noise if I'm watching ESPN's college football uh, game day program. Yeah. I, I still like it. it. It's just easy to put on on a Saturday morning. And it's, it it's great background noise yeah. for me. Uh, there's a lot. Man, They th- there's a lot there. It, yeah. it, you're right. It, it does – take on an sort of epic uh, duration yeah. before the game. And then the weirdest part of that thing is there's that crescendo when they're, they're making their picks and, and Corso, if he's there, throws the headgear yeah. on. And then they go to, like, uh, you know, Appalachian State, and there's, <laughs> you know, 1,300 people in the sta- – you know what I mean? Like yeah. the the game they go to, and it's just like... Yeah, if it, it only works if they have the best game of the Big week. Big game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Go off to that. Uh, yeah. The Just because the Rangers are in it right now, the Fox Major League Baseball show is... Uh, it's like an SNL skit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm just like, man, those are those are some of the icons of the sport. And that's why it doesn't always that's not always the greatest thing to have I would think on your desk on on a pre post game show doesn't the, the names are fine it, there's recognition in that but they actually have to have some acumen for the business it, it it's almost like they're trying to fit three square pegs and three round holes I haven't watched the pregame show at all I've only seen their post game coverage but you have A-Rod who's trying to be a serious broadcaster and ask questions and comment and, and come up with different things to break down. 
Then you have David Ortiz, who's like the playful, jovial one, but sometimes he goes way over the top with it, doing dances on the set and things like that. And then there's Derek Jeter, who's kind of like, what do I do? Hold on. And he's just this very monotone voice who, who he almost gets lost in the shuffle of, of Ortiz. And I just think it's a really fractured, sort of uneven postgame show. I haven't watched their pregame coverage. But yeah, I, with, with Rangers in the playoffs, it's, it's kind of like I and Kevin Burkhardt's just kind of like I'm doing everything I can to make this work. But I've got an NFL game to do in 48 hours. So I'm also prepping for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, <clears throat> like work in progress, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> not I, that one. I, and even the, like, even the Fox one, you know, it's the, lo- it's got to be the longest running, right? The football. I think uh, so. Yeah. You know, why does Der- Terry Bradshaw do or butcher highlights still? I don't understand that part. I, I feel like they've had this conversation. Like, is it time for Terry to, to hand off the highlights? To somebody else, and it was it, it was fun back in the day because he had yeah, his whole Terry Bradshaw. But now now struggle. it's yeah he's he's all over the map. It feels like, and I don't know. If, own, you know what? Be right. We sh- we should have our own media podcast and just perfect. rip all the pregame shows. I, we'll I, move I, on. I think I we'll think this is what it's turned into. Next, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've turned it. The Podman Rush is oh now my that. God. I, I have windows in my house, but it's not fully glass. I don't know about yours. <laughs> right. Uh, as they say, never interrupt the silence unless you know you can improve it. That's always my <laughs> approach to everything. What about the state of hockey on TV? You and I, obviously, Emmy-level emanators. Uh, would, I, I wonder this, and you're a perfect guy to ask this question of. Would, would everyone in our industry, which is you know going through some turbulence right now, yeah. Would everyone benefit from a think tank about, especially just in in our sport and covering it, just to have a big old spitballing session, sort of like the one that Brendan Shanahan orchestrated for the actual game around the lockout back in 2005. And if if you look, I mean, just look at what that spawned, right? Shanahan was like, he was still playing. I think he was he was in his late thirties. The what did they call it? Did they call it the Shanty Summit? They anyway, might have. It, it brought it brought everybody. I mean, it was players, it was coaches, it was GMs. I think agents were involved. On owner or at least one owner, uh, or and TV execs. I mean, they were covering everything, and they talked and they trial and errored some rule changes. The goal was to open up the game. If you remember before that lost season, like I, I still love the game, but it was, it was getting crushed by the lack of speed and scoring chances. You know, people have called it the dead puck era or whatever, but uh, they, they took the proposals to the NHL, the NHLPA who were deeply dug in, in that lockout. And out of it came a lot of what we see now. So I, I wonder whether, whether we in the television, radio, broadcast business, I guess you'd almost have to include social media nowadays, Yeah, the way things go, and, and just maybe restructure, rethink how we do things. I, 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 think, I, I think the sports industry as a whole could probably use a think tank on how to cover sports because it feels like 
everybody's trying to just come up with something mm. new, whether it's new content or new access or whatever. And they're just sort of throwing it out there and doing it and trying right. to make it stick. But for the NHL specifically, I, I think they could. I, I do think visually the game is in a much better place now than it was pre-lockout, dead puck era, clutch and ga- grab, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Just visually, it's it's faster. It is a more entertaining product. And the offense is certainly up. We've seen that. I So I have this, for whatever reason, I don't know if it would ever work, but my very specific request for hockey, we're now at a point, so I, I'm 40 years old, so I primarily... You're a man! I, You're yes, 40! I, I have a beard as well. Yes, look at you! <laughs> but, but, you know, my, my generation is now bringing their kids to hockey games, buying tickets, consuming on TV, and, and their, their kids are trying to consume, whether it's through the phone, tablet, TV, whatever... I visually consumed hockey through video games. And the video game angle was the overhead up and down, where you would watch it almost from a bird's eye view. You never get that in a hockey game. It is still the traditional center ice, sideways broadcast angle. And I know sometimes during the Heritage Classic, the Winter Classic, Stadium Series games, they run the... You know, the camera that's on the cable uh, end to end on the stadium. I believe you, it's referred to as the cable camera. The cable cam. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they give you that overhead angle. I think it is visually one of the coolest things you can see. I think on a power play or on rush chances. Yeah, you, you can see the play develop a little bit better. And I feel like in today's NHL, especially with the size of video boards now, blue line to blue line, can we position a camera at the end of those video boards or overhead? And it doesn't need to be the primary angle, but can we utilize that angle and does it make the game a little more digestible, whether it's a replay breakdown, whether it's watching it in in real time? I'm not saying it's going to blow the ratings through the roof to the NFL levels, but I feel like that is something that has never been explored that makes the game visually more appealing for whoever's watching it because it has a similar look to now the video game angle that a lot of kids growing up over the last 20 years consumed hockey through that angle. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more. Uh, you know, I, I was never a, a gamer. I was actually a voice on the game. Yes, you were. At I was the point. nerd. I was the nerd kid at home playing it. Oh my God! What an <laughs> antiquated game that was when you look back on it compared to today's EA Sports and that. But the 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 problem it it's always the problem. But it's maybe it's solvable. But we have so many obstructions between cameras and the actual playing of the sport right mm-hmm. we have boards and we have glass mm-hmm. now we have netting and it it makes it more difficult that's why i believe and i've said this for a, almost a decade now drones sure it's the future of this drones uh just make sure they're not gonna end up in play but that take the viewer right over the glass yeah. into the game there's a thing called a hothead they had one in anaheim Back in the day, they used all the time. I loved it because it did exactly what you were just explaining, where you you could basically see from that angle, from a video game angle, 
especially when the puck is in the zone and a power play is the perfect time to yeah. do it. Uh, and, and, and just run it that way. Uh, but man, it is, you, you know, they, ironically back in the Shanty summit and that they, they wanted to get rid of obstruction and, and that's exactly what we would like to do in the broadcast business, get rid of the obstruction of lenses yeah. and allow us to get right in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, again, you know, if you could put people together and, and throw, you know, some kids or or uh, minor league players out there and test this stuff because that's that's how you you can learn whether yeah that yep. works man maybe that doesn't work you know yep. you think back to what they did you know shootouts two line passes hurry up line changes or face offs whatever you want to call it the no change on icings all those things were were born out of that that conversation that they yep. had I I. I love a lot of what they came up with, but coaching and time always erodes the impact of of stuff like that. So you look at the game now and the sort of ping pong pickleball nature of of today's game. We've lost some of the grace. It's some of that. It's fast, but mm-hmm. a lot of the grace has has left the game with goalies and with attacking. It just it is so rapid, and goalies are so systematic now. That it's it's an amazing way to, you know, they they always find a way to just to just hammer down on stuff that we love, <laughs> and it's, that's what that's why you need change. I guess change needs to be constant. What is is uh, is the say what necessity is the mother of invention? Yeah. Look, yeah. If, if if goalies are getting beat by a certain piece of offense, somebody's going to invent a, a style or or a. a some a piece of equipment or or something to try and negate that. If three on three overtime is blowing the doors off, a coach is going to invent a way to slow it down. Yeah, it, it's just it, it's just the natural evolution, I think, of of sports in general. But it is unfortunate when you hit that wall and you're like, all right, we we got to do something here to try and bust this open again, whatever way we can. Yeah. So you would change the actual game camera, and I I cannot further concur with you in that vein because if you look at the I think the late 50s was the first time our sport was on television Mm -hmm. and our game camera is the same as what it was then yeah like you you know 50 years ago let's say say it was in the late 50s or 60s same game cam just sweeps back and forth and my big one of my big issues with with it is it makes our game swim. I, I don't want our game to, to swim because you're always that, that camera's chasing the, the game changes directions yep. too quickly for that. You need something softer that runs with the action and, and just sweeps back and forth with it on a rail, or as you say, come at it from a different direction altogether. One, one of the things I would change in 2023 is let broadcast dictate the resumption of play following commercials. Our producer, John Norton, has a great story. He, I believe it was, uh, it might have been during the lockout. He was doing mm-hmm. NBA games. And they're coming out of commercial, and they wanted to, they had some stuff they wanted to do. And he was he was just shocked the first time he did it. And they asked, whoever was on there said, well, what what are you proposing to do? And as long as it had something to do with basketball, 
you know, you weren't doing some hooey, if it was basketball, they would give you the time and, and hold the play until you were done with that. Because that's really what we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to sell stuff. The yeah. reason we're on television is, is for the commercials, not the game. Yep. You know, we always have to keep that in our mind. But why would we be in such a hurry to, to get our game over with? when you want to have your audience captive for as long as you can hold them with compelling stuff. So I would make the players, you, you see this all the time. I'd make the players stay at their respective benches until the ref blows a whistle after being prompted by the timeout official, Mm -hmm. because that would help alleviate all this. It feels like angst that builds up with players and linespersons hovering impatiently around the face-off circle or dot, just waiting for that red yep. light to get turned off, and they drop the puck. And the, it would, it would compl- I think it would completely take that out of play mm-hmm. to where they blow, blow the whistle and they come back. Look, they can, when we're not at commercial and it's just face-offs, they, they can have their, their hurry-up line change face-offs and, and drop the puck as as soon as possible. We've learned to live with that. Just as football's learned to live with with the no huddle offense. Yep. You know, that's those guys lost their marbles, the analysts, and they have all the time in the world in football. Uh, and then all of a sudden they go no huddle and they're like, well, well we can't even get a, a replay in. And it's like, <laughs> well, welcome to my world. <laughs> but I, I, I just believe if they just said, stay at your benches, let, the ref gets... Uh, told okay we're we're back from break blows his whistle they move the over there it just bleeds just an extra i don't know 10 15 seconds to allow us to to show something you know of what just transpired again uh and hopefully it's compelling and certainly if i'm doing it it is right yeah and, of course <laughs> and, and uh, it might help the overall thing but i, I I, th- I think, look, at it's just you and me, and we've come up with two terrific ideas yes. here at 9.30 in the morning. They don't even need the think tank. Let's just send them the yes, Let's just write it on a legal this. pad, send it in. Gary, here you are. We've fixed hockey on TV. <laughs> we <laughs> will you invoice imagine? you at the end of the season, and we're good. Hey, look, <laughs> I haven't got the red line fixed in 25 years, so I don't <laughs> you, have That is a hope. hill you will die on. I will. <laughs> I will. The more they have these outdoor games and all-star games and neutral site games in Europe and that without the red line running through the logo at center ice, the more I'm going to dig my heels in in this fight. I'm going to win it. At some point, I'm going to win this. I will win it. There, there will be unblemished logos at center ice around the National Hockey League before I'm done. I swear. Razor, I love you, but I'm not holding my breath on that one, pal. Okay, you watch. <laughs> you watch. Maybe we should just do it here in Dallas. Instead of asking for permission, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then everyone would yell at me from the offices, yeah, we had to dig up center ice and put a stripe across it because of you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, what else is on your mind before we get out of here? You know what? Just it's overall, I think it's been a great start to the season. You have to be happy with a five, one and one record. Um, We'll see where it goes from here. I I have not had a panic situation on any of the blemishes they've been dealing with. Maybe concern, 
But at the end of the day, and we have not talked about Jake Ottinger much or at all on this podcast, you have right now what I would consider to be the ultimate security blanket while you try to figure everything else out through November. So we'll see how things look come American Thanksgiving. Yeah, keep Otter healthy and rested as yeah. much as you can. And uh, it, I, I thought last night was a, a real nice indicator on what their capabilities are. You know, that goal for Duchesne, you know, he was so frustrated looking at times. He so yeah. desperately wanted to chip in and, you know, he's brought in and expected to produce and, and not not just fly around and get chances, but actually score goals in that. And and he could have had three in the game last night. The line was unstoppable. And yeah. that, that I think that was big to get him unclogged. And right after he gets the go-ahead goal, you get that moment from Jake Ottinger that makes him or separates him from just the – you know, the really good goalies in the yep. league. That That's a incredible quality to have a guy that comes up with that save at that juncture of a game. Uh, man, and how about the building, the fans? I love our fans so much, you know, because they, they're into it. They have a good time in that, but they really recognize the moment within games. They always have, and that was a moment within the game. And they gave him a standing O. Like, it- they just... Boom. Maybe this is the season it finally happens, but, you know, we just enshrined Ed Belfour into the, into the team Hall of Fame, and obviously there's the Eddie chance or the Eddie's better chance. It's At some point here, I feel like an otter chant is going to have to start picking up at American Airlines Center because I feel like that's the next step for his fan base evolution is he needs that otter chant when he makes saves like that and, and moments like that. And it, it may happen this year, but I – I'm waiting for the moment it comes. I feel like you've you've arrived as a goaltender with your franchise when you get your own chant, and and it, it I think it's got to be coming here soon with Otter. Yeah, I never got that, uh, so I don't really understand. <laughs> the uh, I I enjoyed the mocking Daryl on the road. Oh yeah, sure. And Jake loves his road starts. He likes being the bad guy <laughs> and and ruining the night for the home fans when we're around the various venues in the NHL. But, yeah, a little – maybe they go finish. I, I believe Otter in finish is Sauco. Maybe they go, Sauco, Sauco, Sauco. It would it, it it would fit the it would fit the love for Finland that Jim Nil has. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it though? Wouldn't it though? You lose a Kivaranta, you gain a finish chant. Uh, <laughs> you know, give a, a big Iso uh, Maliva. That's a big goalie. <laughs> Iso Maliva Sauko. That's as finish as I get. Uh, and we're just about finished on this podcast. Keep rocking. Keep uh, keep keep on trucking. Keep you and Sevi do an incredible job. Where do you keep your Emmys? You got We've, them all uh, up on a shelf and behind yeah, you there. There's, or a, there's a there's, there's a shelf behind me in the living room that yeah. uh, that we've got them displayed on. Mm, the regional so. Emmy man. Yep. Got drawers full of them here. <laughs> uh, all of you out there, I hope you enjoyed a little Emmy Ray Ray action. We should we should go with that. I think that should be our thing. Emmy sure. Ray Ray. Uh, Western <laughs> Canadian Swing is this week three and four. Three and four. Can you believe it, Brian? It's about time. Busier is better. I believe we'll see at the end of it, but I believe busier is better as they get the struggling Alberta teams coming off the heritage classic at uh, Commonwealth stadium in Edmund Chuck uh, for you, I guess it's back to the studio. 
Good old Las Colinas. We're on the road in Las Colinas for three of the next four. What is, is there a big difference between in the in the arena and in the studio? Yeah, it, it's it's almost one better like, than the other. Or no, no, it, it's almost advantages? like at, at the at the end of a road trip, you're looking forward to getting back in the arena. But mm. at the end of a homestand, you're looking forward to getting into the studio because we can do a little bit more. Right. Video wise, when we're in studio, we're right there, hands on with our crew, as opposed to in the arena where Sevy and I are up on the perch and everybody's down in the truck where things are moving a hundred miles an hour. So it's you kind of have a give and take on both. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a couple of road games in the studio. But after these three, I'll be ready to get back uh, inside Air American Airlines Center. All right. Well, D-Ray needs to go catch a flight north. B-Ray, <laughs> you, uh, you going to practice. You, Okay, there you go. Go cover the, <laughs> go cover the team. See see what that optional gives you today. It'd be, it's just going to be nothing but puppies and rainbows around there. I would think today as they clobber Columbus last night once again. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is super. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having really, me on. It's always fun. Really appreciate it. And uh, I think Ikes, we didn't miss you. I think I think. It, I think Mike appreciates it too. He's such a giving guy. He he wants others to do well. It's one of his endearing qualities, and yeah. um, he is always graceful in stepping aside. Uh, maybe we'll do do it semi regularly and and give him more breaks. Uh, but we'll hear from him on the next one, I'm sure, and it will <laughs> be interesting. So, B Ray, thanks. Thanks, Razor. As always, thanks for grabbing an earful, uh, Podman Rushy. Until next week, the Rays are out. See ya. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. You know what? That is the perfect length of a podcast. The wait is over and Texas hockey is back, bigger and better than ever. You won't want to miss a single shot, hit, or save. Experience the intensity of Dallas Stars hockey at American Airlines Center this season and secure your seats at DallasStars.com.